I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? Wakanda forever. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Lisa Bolakaja will be here in just a moment. She is back again. She is incredible. <laughs> we got my man in the house, Chris Derrick. What's up, Chris? Doing the day. I'm doing the day. So it's I'm making things. I'm just, you know, it's, it's just, one of those. Sometimes it's, it's one of those just, days, right? Those, you know, I'm excited about certain things happening today. <laughs> See what I do with Paul? You Same know, time. you know, like, like Paul's here. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, it's obviously these. We call him Uncle Paul, even though we older than his ass. Like, you know, there's these <laughs> frustrations about this <clears throat> business. Um, I guess I guess you just got to deal with those. Um, he's getting philosophical very quickly. Exactly. You know, he got his sugar. He still ain't take kicked in yet. But, but, but you know what? Go get a monster or something. You ain't gonna make it. I saw this. <laughs> check out. So I saw this movie last night. Um, Here we go. Called Skin. Right. Um, that sounds familiar. It just came out. I don't know. If it's, it's about the um, the skinhead. It's a true story. But mm-hmm. the skinhead whose face is all tattooed up, and he right. falls in love with this woman, mm-hmm. and. Um, and he's got to get the scars removed. Right. You know, I mean, there's not scars, but the tattoos. It's a really interesting story. That's not real um, love, huh? That's not real love. You know, she's making him remove his. Well, <laughs> well, they're propaganda. I'm sure. Well, yeah, you know, but it's right. a, it's a, but you find it's a true story. It's right. interesting because like you see him, they, they go over some of the. Uh, um, Is it on Netflix or what's it? No, I, I, well, I, I I saw the Writers Guild, so it okay. might be the theater. Oh, so it's new. It's still the theater, yeah. Okay. It's interesting to see you know these movies that are about like. Um, this is hot topics, you know, like what's going on. I, I don't know. I just it was it was it was a good story. I I, I hate to criticize the filmmaking, but I, I have to. That's that's just why I I was. But it, I bring this up because it's interesting because I, the whole movie is shot. I don't know how movie, but I'd say like eighty percent of it is shot on like seventy five millimeter lens. Sure. Kind of like what's going For on for the audience what is a 75 so it's the people? tighter shot so right. basically you're looking at from like the clavicle to right above the forehead so it's, close it's, up it's probably every shot mm-hmm. and a few wider shots here or there right. things, and you just and everything cuts in there like everything plays really? in there yeah. that's and weird I, and I was, I was like oh you know what this is Film grammar has been destroyed by the you know like you know by the <laughs> here you we know, go you know like by the iPhone <laughs> it has right. because there's a really great shot at the end, I really, at the, end of the movie there's a great shot where he's, where he's walking up and it's just kind of like his shoulders up to his mm-hmm. head. And he walks up to this thing, and I was like, this shot needs to be a full body shot. So we mm-hmm. kind of see the, the, how he's looming. Right. But he, can't, he doesn't want to do that because it's going to look bad on his phone. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could tell the filmmakers were conscious of so the conscious devices of this was going the, to be viewed. So on. conscious of what, yeah. And I'm kind of Good like, person. you know what? And it's destroyed what the, 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 like, the things that make 
this is the thing too. I was talking to my brother afterwards. I was like, you know what? What makes movies like so fascinating is that you use the lighting to tell the story, mm-hmm. and that's been done away with by the way that they do lighting now. And this plus, the, everybody shoots with more with, than one with, camera. So. Well, but, but yeah, but but you can go back and look at say some of the stuff that like. Um, you know, like my favorite, like Tony Scott shoots multiple right. camera stuff. He still decided to make it work with that. It's, it takes a little longer right. to set those things up. But I just realized that it's like, you know, that's what, there's, there's, there's less permanence in the films mm-hmm. because the images are never as strong. Because you're just like, I'm just shooting. Right. You know, and yeah, yeah, I'm kind of coloring it up. Like I was like, all these people talk about how, you know, that film, the TV is more cinematic. TV is is actually is never cinematic mm-hmm. because you can't watch it without the sound off. Like I was watching Vertigo with this, this on Friday. There was this this, this seven millimeter print screening with the Egyptian, mm-hmm. and I and I'd seen the movie in a long time, and I realized I was like, half that movie is at least half that movie is no dialogue. Just, mm. You're just watching right. the cameras, watching them do stuff, and you follow the story with mm. no with no dialogue, and you understand everything except for these chemos where you gotta add stuff. And I was like, that's what the cinema is about, and the images and the power, and it's like, and the and the language of film mm-hmm. is all being like brushed away to 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 to, to all just close ups because your phone can only show you a, like you you only read a close up. Right. It's kind of sad. Well, you were talking about recently, Paul. He was talking about on there was an episode where. You were saying you were watching some film where you didn't realize in the background there was actually some people in the book. Oh, yeah. The, oh, so, you know, I was watching, this is the thing about, I love about going to the movies. You, you watch those older films. It was um, His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday, it's like there's stuff in the background where they're in that newsroom in the, in the prison and you see like this, these weird kind of behavior ticks. Like there's this, this man, he's sitting, sitting, sitting next to a window and outside the window, these women are walking up, walking up the stairs. And and he turns and looks up their dress, you know. <laughs> but it's like when but when you bring that image down really, really small, like that guy, you can't even see him, hmm. you know. And it's just like oh, because he knows that that what. And the thing is that any image has more power the bigger it is. Right. Any image, right. a, a painting, photograph, you know, like just, just like someone you know mm-hmm. is is the more important to you, the bigger they are in, in your field of view. And it's, I don't know, I, I, I had to lament that. <laughs> well, that's the only reason I have, I mean, you know, a lot of times people have giant TVs because they're compensating for something, like when they buy a Humvee or something. But I, <laughs> hey, hey, I, I like I, my giant 80-inch. Well, no, but I was going to say, I've got, I've got a 60-inch, right. and the reason I have it is so I can still watch something and it still be cinematic. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I, I, I think you're mostly right about television. I still think there are some people... We'll do television that can be cinematic. I think the first thing that comes to my mind from a few years ago is The Killing. Yes. Like, that was an incredibly cinematic right. show to me. I think you could watch that well, with no all sound. All the Berlins we watch, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> and it's, but but you're, you're right. And I, I hate that I feel like, you know, the tail's leading the dog now with, with this stuff with devices and phones mm-hmm. and just, you know, oh, well, majority of people are going to watch this on an iPad or a phone, so we've got to, you know... Lighting used to be part of story making. Yeah. Like yeah, great it, cinematographers, it, 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 it never is anymore. It was, yeah, and now, like you said, because they know the framing doesn't need any lighting because it's just going to be all front lit in this close up. It's sad, yeah, yeah and yeah. I think it takes away. I think it makes storytelling just less visceral. Right. Yeah, because I was listening to the guy who on the, the American Cinematographer podcast. They interviewed the guy who was the DP on Rogue One. He's a DP on the new Dune thing, that this movie, and he was talking about Mary Magdalene. 
Mm-hmm. How he shot this movie <clears throat> just recently, he just came out, shot it on like the Lexus 65, and he was like, yeah, I love it because I set it to lighting, and it's like, and you can't tell where the light's coming from. Mm. You know, it's just like, you just get to see their luminous faces. And I was kind of like, that's not good storytelling. So I went and watched the, <laughs> I, 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 so I, I went and watched the trailer, and I was like, yeah, it feels like you're there realistically, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like watch a story to have it feel realistically. Because what you ultimately tell me is like the work that Storaro did in like Apocalypse Now, like when when Martin Sheen's coming out of that water, mm-hmm. is like, oh, that's actually wrong because it's so stylized. Mm-hmm. But that's such a damn icon. That's a image is almost four, it's over forty years old, and it's like right. it, it burns in your head. Still, I, I guarantee. Or when he falls yeah. in the full metal jacket, whatever. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guarantee you in four yeah, and that's a shot too that you know mm-hmm. those guys because I saw the still and that they set up like all this negative film on the mm-hmm. left to give it that kind of look when, when Elias drops and give it it's mm-hmm. like that's what you wouldn't do today because it's not real. Yeah. It's not authentic. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not looking for a story to be authentic. I'm looking to be moved. And you move me with a lighting. Right. Okay. Well you mentioned Tony Scott earlier and like Tony's the director Tony Scott, Walter Hill, these guys that shot long lenses mm-hmm. and did those incredible framing, you know, mm-hmm. just Denzel walking in Man on right. Fire. Yeah. Like, you know, even his bad stuff, his Days of Thunder has incredible images because yeah. the guy was just the director's director, yeah. you know? And, but he was like Walter Hill too. Like, they're storytellers. Right. They're storytellers. They're not just like, oh, I'm going to drag this. Here's a cool shot and here's right. a cool frame and this will be like, yeah, I, I, think we're, I think we're losing that every day. Paul Gio on the mic, y'all, in case y'all don't know. Uncle Paul, we call him. <laughs> Writer, producer himself. What's up, pal? Welcome to the show. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. I'm glad, been glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, back in St. Louis uh, being dad. and um, We see trying it. To like find every work. week you got photos oh, with the kids. My little Instagram, yeah. Okay, yeah, somebody it. playing golfing. golf and tennis know, or some shit. I know, shit. golfing at the store. My, my, little, my son is a little prodigy, prodigy awesome. man. Yeah, he won just won another tournament by 10 shots last week. Really? Wow. Yeah, he's crazy. All I can do is just stay out of his way and hope that he buys me a house. <laughs> okay, <let's>, <laughs> I need a house. So. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. I heard that. Wow. Um, so welcome to the show, Paul, man. We appreciate having you, dude. I'm been so a, happy to be back. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, things have, things have, lots of things have changed over the year. Oh, Boy. I know. Something else we need to talk about is AJ a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, what's it been like for you since you've been gone? And I don't want to say like you're gone, gone, because you clearly are bi-coastal. <clears throat> but um, being away from us, all of us hear why this WGA shit is going on for you. Yeah, it's... It's it's really been interesting because my story. So I when I'm when I'm not working when I'm not here in L.A. I live in St. Louis, Missouri because that's I got three kids that live there. Um, that's where their mom lives. So I'm, you know, as close to them whenever I'm not working as I, I can be. That's beautiful. And uh, it was crazy. My story. I happened to fire my agents about a month and a half before, before all this went down, but for the very reasons that were because they I was on a show mm-hmm. that was. Their package, my my former agent's paradigm, and they packaged the show. I spent a year on it. Mm-hmm. I did not want to go back the following year because it yeah. was a very toxic, unhappy environment. <laughs> and they basically said, "No, you have to." And I said, "Well, look. First of all, I took a huge pay cut, which because you guys told me I had to take this right. or I couldn't get the job because there was only this amount in the budget." And come to find out they packaged the motherfucker mm-hmm. and they could have been paying you that's right exactly and that's what, and and so this was all going on so i i didn't re- i quit that show in 
March of 2018, mm-hmm. and my agents yelled and screamed at me, and then September, the end of September 2018, I had had one phone call hmm. from my agents through that whole time about possible work or meeting. And I called them, and I said, hey, what's up? And one of them more or less almost just literally admitted to me, well, you know, you quit that show. We don't, we don't know how to rep somebody like you. Wow. And the other agent was kind of playing the good cop and was like, well, no, no, you know, we'll find some. It's just been busy and crazy and all this and blah, blah, blah. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt, go the rest of the year, mm-hmm. not one word. Any meeting I had was from my manager mm-hmm. or my lawyer. Or people you know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so beginning of 2019, I talked to my manager and I said, hey, and I laid it out for him. I said, I've, I've heard from them twice in almost a year. Mm-hmm. And one of them basically said, well, it's, yeah, because you quit NCIS New Orleans. Right. And he's like, well, let me call him. And he calls him up and he calls me back and he goes, Yeah. They basically are kind of pissed off and and done with you. And I said, well, then I'm not giving them 10% of anything. So I, you know, I sent out the email and, and, you know, let them go of their Mm -hmm. services. And my manager followed up and called and said, yeah, Paul's going to move on. And they were like, fine. And then it was like six, seven weeks after that is when all this WJATA stuff unfolded. And I'm reading everything and I'm hearing everything. I'm going, oh, that's exactly what they, (laughs) exactly what happened. So to get back to your question, being in St. Louis, it's been, it's been weird because I felt really disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I actually quit Twitter back in September of last year. Mm And just about a month and a half or so, two months ago, I got back on mm-hmm. because I just, I felt like alone. Like I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was getting the WJ emails, right. which was great, but I wanted to communicate with my fellow writers mm-hmm. and we're all in solidarity on so this you weren't together. Even, so you weren't even on when we first no. le- left our agents. So you missed a lot of that writing I missed, staff. And I all missed that, all that. Boost. And I got back on and I was like, oh, and I saw the staffing booth right. hashtags and all that. And I'm like, well, okay, this this makes me feel fantastic because I thought like people are starting to realize the agent isn't the end all be all mm-hmm. of, of our lives. And, and I think we put so much emphasis in the beginning of our careers, like getting an agent. That's yeah. like such a huge trophy. Yeah. And you know, you bag the lion, Oh, I got an agent, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's like, Oh, I got an agent. And then it's like, Oh, I got CAA or right. whoever. And the communication and I, I'm, I'm slowly getting back on, communicating on Twitter, but mostly I've just been watching and it's been so cool Mm -hmm. to see the writing community come together and helping each other. And these showrunners on Twitter reading uh, not only unrepped writers, but writers aren't even in the WGA and stuff. And so that part of it's been really cool. But yeah, I've, I've felt really disconnected, not being out here, not being able to like hang out with you all. And, and, you know, we go and we talk about everything and go to the mixers. And so it's, it's been a little, it's been a little weird. Well, the, the cool thing is, though, <clears throat> I feel like, I mean, we all, we all sacrifice different things, right? The, the sacrifice for you was to be here when you work and to be there when you're not, yeah. right? And so, but your kids were the, your priority and still are, you know what I mean? So for me, it may appear like you're out. I still see you, but I follow you, you know, we talk, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I know you're around. Um, what I see is you still are inspiring us from a distance. You don't even know it. Like, I almost get to your eye just thinking about it. 
when you post shit like it's four in the morning, I just woke up, got my coffee, I'm starting on my work. I'm like, see, we got work to do. You feel me? I'm here. I'm not even in LA and I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, you gotta, it's, you gotta, you gotta work that regimen. You know, look at how many hits when you do that because it's just coming from the heart. It's just talking about real shit. You know what I mean? So believe me, people see what you're doing. You know what I mean? I want you to know. Well, that was the thing that's, I appreciate that. And what I found being in St. Louis for the past year, not, not even before the whole WJ stuff started to unspool is, I, you know, my agents are, were, you know, not working for me, not doing anything. The only thing I can control is myself as a writer and my output. And, you know, Thorne and I used to have this, this hashtag on Twitter called make new things. Right. And it's like, that's mm. the one thing. If you, you know, if they're not hiring your, your age or they're not hiring your experience level or they're not hiring your gender or whatever, or, you know, there's all these other things like, oh, I can't get a job because all these other people are controlling mm-hmm. my life. It's mm-hmm. like, no, the one thing we still have is we can make new things. Right. We can make shit up. We can write. And my, my, even though I've been unemployed for quite a while, my productivity I was telling Chris earlier this mm-hmm. morning, I'm, I don't know why I'm so happy. Like, I've been back with my kids and all that. It's great. Because you got was, a girlfriend, that's all. I, I, have a, I have an absolutely wonderful lady in my life. Yeah, she's amazing. And, but from a creative standpoint, as, as a writer, as an artist, I am, I'm doing that. I'm getting up at, at 4 or 5 in the morning, and I'm working the first part of the day, and, I, and I'm sort of almost... I almost have a, a, a higher, a stronger motivation now hmm. because it's not sitting back waiting for the agents to set meetings and going and, you know, doing the tap dance mm-hmm. to try to get on staff somewhere and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, so I'm, I'm out here now for a couple of weeks on mm-hmm. three different things and they're all, again, it's, it's development. It's right. making new things. It's mm-hmm. my own stuff. And, and there's something I feel <clears throat> it's, it's really this weird, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word. Paradox. I, I don't, we'll have to defer to Chris on what word, but <laughs> it's like what it is. Like you mean I encyclopedia Brown <laughs> yeah. over there. I I've been this is the longest stint I've been unemployed since I've been a professional, right. and yet I am at I've never been at peace like I am now hmm. as far as a writer and what I'm doing and and you know you guys know the sure. feature I'm oh, working yeah. on and I've got another thing and I've got <laughs> I, for the first time in my career I used to never think I could do this. And now I do it all the time is I can shift from one thing to another. Right. I get up in the morning and I start working on something. And if I, you, you hit that wall mm-hmm. where I know I'm going to be sitting here staring at the screen right. for a while, right. I just like close that file mm-hmm. and I open up something else and exactly. I'm like, let me start writing sentences exactly. on this. Yeah. And it's great. And that's why I'm constantly have three or four things going at once because you know you're going to hit a wall. And they say at like 45 minutes to an hour, you kind of hit a wall yeah. naturally. So and you, know, you have that system too, right? And yeah. so for me, I'm like, the alarm goes off, 45 minutes, I just I come work out, 10 minutes, switch to, now I'm writing this horror thing. Now I'm writing this historical thing. Whatever it is, I just switch it up and I keep moving forward on the next thing. So people are like, how do you have eight scripts in a, in a, in a whole year? Right. Like, because I'm moving forward. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? You know, like, I've, there's this, there's a site I uh, I used to get these this, this things called this, the best self journal it's kind of like kind of like chronicle your day and everything like that and so yeah. still on their mailing list and they send this thing out about these prompts that you get and this woman has said oh I got these prompts I love it because I've been because I've been stuck on something for a year I haven't been able to write in a year Jesus I said to myself you're not real <laughs> 
because you can't <laughs> wait a year to write anything. No. If you really want to write, you have like thousands of, uh, you, you have a dozen ideas that are just, just blasting your head. Mm-hmm. And you got to focus on what means, what keeps coming back into your head. Right. Something that Ben was saying the other night, Ben Watkins. Mm-hmm. There was like the ideas that, that keep, that you go, oh, I don't have time for this. But that idea comes back th- like a month later, two months later. That's, you, you, you have to find time to do that. Right. And that's, and when you're stuck on your main idea, Start on that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I do that all the time. It's the only. It's, the, it's because my thing is, I have so much shit I want to do, and I'm just like, I never have enough time. I just right. don't have enough time. I don't have the energy. And we all should, in my opinion. We should all have that. Yeah, and, and, like where we got and, six things we want to do. And I, I feel it because you know the stuff we were talking about today. I mean, you know, different things you're working on. It's like, okay, hey, this is cool. And mm-hmm. then the worst thing is people come to you and go, hey, I got some, got some that, that you can work on me with, and you're like, fuck, yeah. how am I gonna like? That's my slide problem. that in <laughs> That's to my this problem. thing because I took like, two things this week. You know, because you yeah, just like, what the hell are you gonna do? Yeah. But it's like, but. <laughs> But, but that's the thing. I mean, I mean, again, Paul, the thing that I always loved is that you're, you, you had those couple, um, things on Instagram where you get up in the morning, kind of like do a little video of you walking to right. the I like that. That's cute. I love that's that because I was like, ah, oh, I was like, you know, I should do that. I mean, um, cause like, and the timer would move really fast. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah cause to right. me, it's like, you know, like now, like, like because of the, my job situation, it's like, I have to do that. Right. I got to find the, I have to look for time. Uh, to find it, and it's either getting up early, or it's being able to ride on the train, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, it's just it's crazy stuff because it's like I don't want to stop. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I have this fantastic book. It's that hard. I got, this really great book. I was telling you about it. It's, it's, it's called um um. It's called a uh, Joy on Demand. Mm. It's a great fucking book to read because <laughs> it's just it's just because because you, mm. you get so you get. So, uh, and again, because it has to go back to what you're saying about what can you control. And I was like, okay, you know what? That, I was reading, like someone mentioned this book to me, and I was like, I've read it. And I was like, this is what you can control. If you can figure out this guy's technique about, you know, to bring joy into your life. Mm-hmm. And you just do it at times when you're, when you're feeling rough, you know, because you can control that. And it's controlling your output, controlling how you feel. You know, people always say to you, oh, well, you know, if so-and-so can't make you feel angry, mm-hmm. you just decide to do that. And to a certain degree, that's true. To a certain degree, it's kind of like, well, your emotions are going to spike. So you're going to have to feel that anger. The question is, how long do you keep that, you know, like that negativity, like well, like, like rehashing itself? And that's where I feel like you got to, you know, right. focus on a project or, 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 or go bike riding or do the golf. There's all these things you can do that you have to kind of just to, to, cause if you get stuck in that position where you're not writing or you're not creating, mm-hmm. like to make new things is so fantastic. Cause you, I mean, like, I think that's across the well, board. I was, I was just thinking about how yesterday I had a moment where I, I drove up in my Torino, right? <clears throat> Pulled in, came up here, did a bunch of work. I finished the new project I was telling you that Pamela and I are going to be working on. And then uh, I was heading downstairs and one of the producers ran out. He was like, hey, you're Hilliard, right? And I was like, he's like, you're a screenwriter, right? And I was like, and he says, got to talk to you, dude. I got to, I got to bring you in on something, right? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, no, 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 I'm serious. I looked you up. I know who you are. Like that. And I was like, okay, cool, right? So I took off and as I drove off, I was playing that new, uh, that new, that new joint, I have to play it on for you, new, new kind of country, western joint, it's off the chain. And so, and I was blasting out, and I just started feeling like the world was rising, right? And I got to the stop sign, and somebody went, hey, dude, love your car. Got to another stop sign, and went, hey, love your car. 
and I was like, like feeling like I was like riding on a cloud. And I was like, this, this is why we do what we do. And I was telling my husband recently about, <clears throat> there was, um, I came out to my car like two weeks ago and my neighbor in the parking lot where we parked had turned too quickly into my Torino and hit the bumper. Ooh. And you know, those bumpers are made of chrome. It moved it like about that much. <clears throat> Hardly anything on my bumper, but it moved it. So it's like off a little mm-hmm. bit. Right? And so I was like, fuck, that means you're going to have to go in the shop for like a month. Yeah. And you'll have to kill the neighbor. And Scott's like, so at least you get it fixed. I was like, you don't understand. I need my car. It makes me feel good. Because my job well, we, well, is so difficult, difficult that it, when I'm in my car, I have my music blasting, my reggae, whatever the fuck, I just feel like nothing, like you going on a bike ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Go it was ahead. like that <clears throat> the other day we were at the, th- we were at the theater, right. oh, and, that, and, and that woman came up to the car and she was like, I just want to jump over your hood. Just, <laughs> right, just exactly. like in the, in, the, in the... I get that all the time. Yeah, I was all like, the time. <laughs> but it makes you smile. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, exactly. I think to a certain degree, you might forget that it, like you, yes, you like your car and you know what it does, but you got to forget the, the, the cultural, <clears throat> the cultural, the cultural right. impact it has. Cause I see your car all the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. But when someone mentioned that to me, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. It's the, exactly. like, iconic. Yeah, you know, definitely, definitely. That. In the commercial of that show where the house sequence, they're jumping across <laughs> the damn hood. Yeah. I forgot about that. I think that, you know, you're making a great point that I think a lot of two things that I, I see lacking in, you know, these people and I hate using this term aspiring writer or rather, aspiring I'd professional writer. I'd rather writer. you say that than baby writer though. Yeah, baby writer, writer is not yeah. a good thing at all. Right. But but these people that are trying to get in, you mm-hmm. know, where we are and stuff and I and I interact with them a lot on social media right. and you know the two things that that I see lacking is is one what we were just talking about earlier is they they want it so badly but they I I I can tell in just a couple of sentences interacting with people, most of them are not working as hard as they could be. And it's right. always like, oh, I don't have time, or oh, I don't do this, or oh, I wrote this script, and mm-hmm. I'm waiting to hear from this producer I yeah. showed it to at 7-Eleven. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, you should be writing your ass off while you're waiting, you know, on the next thing and the next thing. And, and these people that write one or two scripts, and then they think, hey, I'm a screenwriter. And you talk to Everybody from, you know, Steve Zalian to Callie Curry to Craig Mazin to everybody, you know, they wrote 10, 15, 20, before, 25 before scripts they before sold they right. sold their first one. Right. And then the other thing is, which is, is the opposite of that, too. I find so many of the, you know, aspiring professionals, I guess I'll call them, mm-hmm. is sometimes they're too hard on it. Like they make it harder on themselves because they're sitting there staring at the screen all the time Instead of like what you're saying, you need those times where you got to get in the car and turn the music on and drive. You've got to get on the bike and that's ride. That's when you get the ideas. Though. Yeah. And it's like people yeah. don't get that's that's part of writing. You know, Burton Rasco had one of the greatest quotes ever that's about writing. Name. That's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> it was like, like, and, and he said, what no spouse of a writer will ever understand is that when we are sitting in a chair staring out a window, we are working. Mm. And Great it's like line. that, yeah. And, yes. and that's, that's part of it right. is you've got to give yourself that release and that time right. and, and get up and walk away. And, uh, so I, I see, I think they need to do more than that. And then also at the same time, they also need to be writing more. Right. You know, I just agreed part of the whole thing going on Twitter with the writing, with the, reading, listening, watching something. Yeah. Right. It's right. Right. Mm-hmm. We're all, I mean, that's where it all comes from is the world that mm-hmm. we're interpreting and seeing and absorbing. 
And I just agreed to read this guy, this guy from the UK. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's been trying to break in and he's done some things in the UK, but he wants to be American television writer and stuff. And he mm-hmm. came at me on Twitter in a super respectful way okay. and without wanting anything, just yeah. the way he asked me about if I would read him, I was like, I'll absolutely read you, dude. Mm. And he sent me his script and I'm going to read it this week. Okay. And, uh, and it's just like, I liked it because, you know, I started talking to him a little bit and the guy's writing all the time. He didn't write his one script mm-hmm. and now he's waiting right. for the keys to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wrote this script and he's already got two others going and he wrote two before that one. Mm-hmm. It's like, hell yeah, yeah I'll read you. You know, cause mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing is, is that people, um, um, they don't, I, I think certain people think that, that writing movies is like, it's like writing a novel. Like a novelist might, you know, spend a while to write his novel and then he's got to like fog it around differently and whatever it is. And you you might, and there's always these stories of these guys like, you know, uh, Harper Lee wrote the one novel or this is kind of craziness. And it's like, the but, but the thing about like writing a movie or a television <coughs> pilot is, um, it's of the now. Like mm-hmm. what you're doing is of the now. Like if I write a novel, it, it doesn't have to be about the now. It could be about anything. I mean, mm. if I write a historical novel, it's about that history piece. But if you write a historical movie, mm. you got to figure out why, why is it relevant now right. to make it, you know, to write it. You just can't write that historical piece. Because then people go, what, what, why should we make it? Yeah. It's a big, the biggest question everyone's asking is, why should we make it? Yeah. Um, and the thing they ask you in, in every TV thing is, why now? Why should we do this show? Right. What's important? Or why for today? It? Yeah, why today? Right. And it's kind of, and that's why you got to be writing all the time. Right. And like you probably get a great point. I mean, look, look. Out, I mean, look out the window. I mean, just the other day, you know, I'm sitting on the train, exhausted, mm-hmm. uh, and the heat thing is not working. I mean, the cooling thing's not working. So I'm just kind of like Ugh, just in the valley. Yeah, going Ugh. out crazy. <laughs> but this 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 older guy, he must have been like in his. I'd say mid to late fifties gets on the train. It doesn't matter to me his age, but he's dressed like a skater. He's got a he's got a skateboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's totally looking like a skater, right. but who's like fifty five, hmm. gray hair and everything. I was like, and his tattoos looked like that, you know, like that uh, sleeve. Sleeve, but but they had that um, <clears throat> you know, like a um, Cthulhu, you know, the whole thing right. with like that kind of stuff on his arm. I was like, character. That's a great character. character. That's character. a great character. I'm a, I just wrote it all down yeah. on my notes. I was like, right. I'm going to see if I can sneak a photo of him. I didn't right. want to, because he looked a little, he looked, you know, he, you know yeah. I mean, you know, he could have done, I'm on a train, I can't get away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got to be careful about taking that photo. But I was like, God, this is like, you know, and then it's just thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm writing because I, cause yeah. I'm not, cause, because I'm telling you about the project I'm working on. Right. So he fits into that. Mm-hmm. But I take um, photos but, all the time. Yeah. I take yeah. photos all the time on my phone. these people, like who, like what? What is this world around me? Because that's what, and, and in my head, I'm like, what's his story? Like, why here's, is he riding that cycle? That- here's something I wanted to bring up. It just occurred to me. Because I, I, I jokingly said this to you when we, when we first uh, uh, ran into each other this morning, but I meant it. Like, you're looking great right now, right? Chris is back in the gym, right? You know I'm in the gym because I'm insecure. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. But look. Here's the problem that I have. When I go to the, to the guild, and Chris, you know, we're there a lot. Most writers are out of shape. Yeah. I think it's a huge problem. You know, we need to turn that around where I think it, we have a, 
here's the thing. We have a really unhealthy job, if you think about it, because we're sitting it's in sedentary, front of the fucking computer. Yeah. And especially like, you, and you know from being on many TV shows, you get on, I put on eight pounds in a room for five months. Yeah. I never put on eight pounds. You know what I mean? I stay the same weight consistently because I eat a certain way, right? Now, now, but the room can either make you bad or you can switch. It took me two months and I went, oh, I need to readjust. Right. I'll come in. And I'll have that, but I won't eat that. I had to just I get to get there earlier because there's a gym downstairs. I just had to switch my brain back to me. I was trying to roll with everybody else. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying that to say that that looking at you, you taking care of your body, you know, maybe going home cleanses you. You know what I mean? Because you're there. You got your girl. You got your, your kids. You can you can play golf when you want. You can adjust. You can not have to think about Hollywood bullshit. You know what I mean? And and, and the love is there. So it allows you to be the best you. You know what I mean? So how do you do that when you come here? Is, yeah. Is, is, is the key. I think you're making a great point that nobody talks about. And I've, I've thought about this for several years. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if it's, you know, people are afraid to talk about it because the whole body positive and right. everybody's perfect the way they are. But I 100% agree that the physically healthier you are, the better you will write. And And... I don't have any data to back that up other than my own personal story is that, you know, up until 2010, 2011, you know, I floated between 220 and 235 at my worst, my heaviest. And then my brother bought me the bike. I started riding the bike and slowly started losing weight. I I got out of a bad marriage where I was self-medicating with, you know, bags of chips every night Mm -hmm. and ice cream and Mm -hmm. um, ice cream. The, <laughs> the the healthier I have been physically, the better I work. And it's because, you know, you have more mind. energy. Right. You, you're, you're in, you have, uh, you know, all the endorphins are there. They're, everything is working to make you feel better. And when you feel better, you're going to do anything better. Right. Well, you know, and, and with writing, I have noticed that, I mean, it, it changed my whole, I became a much, much better writer when I started focusing on my health rather than thinking like, oh, I'm, you know, writers, Charles Bukowski, I, exactly. you know, do, everybody do else is smoke cigarettes. Right, all day, right. right. You know, right. and, and <clears throat> it's, and nobody ever talks about it. And I think I a hundred percent agree with you. And the thing, the St. Louis to LA thing, when I'm out here, that was just an observation. By yeah. Me. But when I'm out here on staff, it's much harder. It's exactly what sure. you're saying. It's yeah. much harder because especially, especially in the high level, cause you have more, more things to do. Yeah. And I just, and it <clears throat> takes, again, it goes back to discipline, which right. almost all everything with writing goes back to is I have, you know, I got to get up earlier mm-hmm. in order to do something healthy and physically. I, you know, the, the show, the last show I was on that NCIS New Orleans show, there were three writers that, you know, as soon as it was lunchtime, they would go for a walk and they do like this almost mile walk Mm -hmm. every day around the same thing. And it was just, it was just moving. It was just keeping your body active and physical and keeping your heart rate up and everything. And it keeps you fresh when you come back to the room. And and that's it because you know, in those writers rooms, when you hit like, Oh God, three 30 in the afternoon. I'm done. That coffee. is done. I need a coffee oh, and, and, even, and they, they do the Starbucks run and still you're right. just like, oh, can you just put it intravenously into me instead of drinking it? And it's like, but when you are 
physically feeling better, you have that energy to keep going. You can get that second wind, you know, and that, that is, that is the worst time, man. Those, those last two and a half hours in the writer's room or three and, hours. And I was having a problem where the, what made me decide to come up, cause I'm not a morning person. Like you're a little five, six o'clock yeah. in the morning and amen. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. But look, but I appreciate that you can. So here's the trip. So, so for example, the room started at 10. So I'd get there at nine. Right, go downstairs, be, I think I work, for, work out for like 30, 45 minutes, get dressed, and then I'll be sitting in my, at my table in about 9.50, right, so that I'm there before we start. Now, what happens is at noon or at what a lunchtime, one, one o'clock, whatever lunchtime it is, everybody goes for a walk. Well, for the first two weeks, I was like, I'm going downstairs to the gym. But I started missing all the shit that was going on. So they would be like, hey, you coming over tonight to watch whatever? I was like, oh, shit. There's some shit going on I'm not involved with. I'm going to have to sacrifice something. So I started sacrifice going to the gym before it took me, you know, three months to go, duh, just get here early. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I had to change my whole. Oh, so what you're saying <clears throat> is you would go to the gym. While they went for a walk. Oh, and then I'd miss out on all the. And, 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 and so your decision was, right. I'm going to come and go to the gym before anyone gets there so that I can so go to the walk anyway. What's the walk? The walk's not going to. But, but, but. Unless it's 100 degrees, right. you're not going to get burned. And, and, I, and I found even in the walks, if I'm not even really talking to nobody, it's just about being there yeah. in the midst of it and they yeah. see you. Solidarity. It's something. It's something. Uh, it I mean, yeah. look, look, I agree with the whole thing about working out. The thing is the endorphins. The 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 the, now, the science on that is when you work out the endorphins, it like clears your brain. Mm -hmm. It's a known thing. It's you know it's that kind of a drug where it kind of like wakes you up, so you can think clear. Whatever it is. I mean, to me, I used to swim a lot, and I used to go swim at like three o'clock, three or four o'clock every day when I when I was writing the school movies and stuff. Because mm -hmm. at that point, it's like three o'clock. You be hitting that wall. But I was like, I'm not done writing yet today. Yeah. I know I was. So I would go and swim. And while I'm <laughs> swimming, maybe like the first 10 laps, just uh, all of a sudden ideas just flowing into the head. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, shit, we're going to do this. And then I'm like thinking on the scene. Right. And then about You're time, doing three more laps because you ain't thinking. thinking. I'm just, exactly. And then I'm like, you know, I got to get home now to write. Right. I, cause, because I got to yeah, download right. everything that I've been thinking about because mm -hmm. I don't have. And, and, and then just like when I go now and I'm working out, um, I had the the voice memo on the phone, mm -hmm. so the minute I get an idea, I just I'm just it's what, you know because the worst thing the yeah. idea comes and it's gone. Right. Like, oh, I got this fix. Yeah, I'll remember it. I, I can't got the fix. <laughs> exactly. and, yeah, what was the fix again? Oh, shut up. That's just the worst. So yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've noticed too with me, uh, though I can totally connect times when I you know and I. I battled depression for years and you, you never really get cured of it you know it's just it, it ebbs and flows right. and the times that I will suddenly find myself like whoa what's going on I am in a valley right now I am mm -hmm. I'm I, I haven't felt depressed like this and I start tracking how did I get to this place and every time it includes I quit cool. moving Mm, really? I quit, you know, there, there may be stuff happens that I react right. to and I, and I, I let affect me, which I mm -hmm. shouldn't in different things, but it, it, I don't know. And it's a chicken or the egg thing, but I, I always find like, oh, I quit moving. And what gets me out of it faster than anything is moving. Right. Is just, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, hammering the gym for an hour or anything. It's like going for a walk. It's mm -hmm. like going for, it's just moving. Cause, mm -hmm. cause our job is so still. Right. Yeah, very. Our job is super still. 
Yeah. <clears throat> totally agree. I was thinking about um, how we as writers, like I said, I think this is something that I agree it's something that's not talked about enough. Like, I, I can't think, I don't think we've done a panel that I remember where we talked about our health. And, and if we did, I don't know how popular it would be. Cause they, cause, cause people think, oh, that's a girl's thing or that's a, you know. Right. No, yeah, you but, know but, what I mean? see, but it's the mm. thing that we talked about when they had this thing on with Jeff Thorne when he's mm-hmm. free and Joe Wilson because it was all kind of in result of John Singleton's death. Right. And we, right. and we, and we, and you know, and, and we, you know, some of us have been talking and it was like he, had a really tough lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember that Cheo said something crazy to me. He was like, you know, he made movies for 20 years and then he made, you know, and then like four years of television killed him. Right. You right. know, because of the stress, the, 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 you know, which seems odd because he's not even directing the show, mm-hmm. but it's where you think that's where the main stress is on a project on a movie it is but it's not on television you gotta deal with all these people and you're sitting around and everyone's yelling well not yelling but you know that's the thing too is like that frustration it's like that you have you know in the room with people you're like internalizing that because you just can't go motherfucker shut the shit you you can't do that as much as you want to (laughs) Um, so that has a lot to do with it too. I mean, I honestly think there should be because right. I feel like you said it might be a women's thing. Might be you said Paul about I was like a, the body issue, body positive. I mean, I I think it'd be tough to get like like a bunch of women to feel um um to to talk about that, you know, in a way because it just feels like. Well, I think on the women's community they do talk about a lot of this. I don't know if they've done like a actual panel, but it's more interior to mm-hmm. their committee. But I think the problem is, is we think that's a women's thing. Yeah, I, it's, you know it's what I mean? not. It's and, not. And, and for it's for not example, I was I, I walked in the other day at the theater for that event. We did this big pitch event, and um, one of the one of the ladies come up to me. She says, "Hilliard, can I tell you something?" She says, "What she says? You walk in a room like a superstar." I said, "Like, what are you talking about?" She says, "Every time I see you, like you have something. Like there's something about you." And I was like, oh, I'm going to hardly know the lady at all. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. She says, you're not just a writer, are you? I said, well, I'm a writer, producer, whatever. She said, did you used to perform? I said, yeah, I used to be an actress. She said, you have a confidence. You have a thing, right? So what I'm saying is, but I drove in my car there. That started it. Right. That got me. I was playing my music. I walked in a room like, shit, didn't nobody touch me. You know what I mean? I felt that. And so, like, whenever I have a meeting for something big going on, I drive my car there and get there early. So you can, that's why they say get someplace early so you can sit in that space, so you get used to it, so you can be like, okay, this is what it is. It's not that bad. They want to meet you. They already read you. Calm the fuck down. It's not that deep. You know what I mean? They're just people, yeah. too. You that know? right there is a great little tiny point. Again, no one ever mentions, like, for writers going to meetings is, first of all, if, if you're late, there's no excuse. I don't care if there were 27 car crashes on you. You should right. never be late to a meeting ever for any reason. Agreed. And I, to keep myself from ever being late is I will normally, if I don't have any issues getting there, I'm 45 minutes, sometimes an hour early. Wow. And it's for what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You get there, you get yourself jacked, you get yourself into the mm-hmm. mood and you get there. So then you know, okay, I can walk in at the exact right time now. I am in control of that. Yeah. So then you can wander around the lot or you can sit in your car and do whatever, mm-hmm. but you can prep, you can get yourself in that mindset. And that's such an important thing. 
you know, I, I think all that's ever mentioned is don't be late for a meeting. So writers show up 10 minutes before, you right. know, but if something happens then they've got to call and say, exactly. oh, I'm on the 405. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, and it's like, but that's a, that's a huge point. And it, right. no, you're absolutely right. Because it's like, you know, I had that meeting at, um, I had a meeting at Marvel the other day. I always just want to say it because that I had to sign that thing. I won't talk about what happened in a meeting. But I but, you know, I took an Uber and, you know, their studios is kind of like in a weird place and the address is not where they wanted me to go in. Right. So the guy dropped me off. That's like, the other reason the why you were early. See, he got me over the front mm-hmm. and, I had, and I had to walk down like maybe almost three yep. blocks to where right. it was. It was super hot that day and I was like, now nah, I got I'm going to be sweaty. So I, did, so I, but, but, but you know, because I got there all early right. and I was like, okay, but you know what? I got there early. I was cool. Mm-hmm. The guy at the desk was like, oh, well, my computer's messed up. So it was all these kind of mishaps, just right. crazy mishaps that I was like, but I, but I can still look at my watch. Like, you know what? I still got 15 minutes before yeah. I got to walk. That keeps you calm, though. Keeps me calm. Yep. I just knowing that. I was sitting there like, 15 right. minutes before I had to walk two minutes to get into the right. building. I'm fine. Right. And then those next five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm walking in the building. It's the thing that I do. I used to be about prep. I always kind of like, in your head, you kind of know what you want to say. Mm-hmm. But when I'm walking places like that, I'm going to speak it out loud mm. to figure out like, where might I, t- you know, like tongue tie or, right. or am I stumble over that phrase because that's, it sounds right, like it sounds right on the page. Mm-hmm. But speaking it is a little harder to say. So then mm-hmm. I'll break those things down because you don't want to be flustered ever. Right. No. I mean, you can be, yeah. but what well, was a commercial? Never let him see you sweat. sweat Never yeah. let him. <laughs> but you know, but if you're thinking about ideas or something, that's. I mean, to me, it's a big thing. Is like sometimes if someone asks me a question, my and I'll just, you know, it's just, just, just bullet train is spinning through my head about about stuff I want to say back, say right. back to them. So I got to kind of like slow it down mm-hmm. and like and and because if, if I don't, I'll seem flustered, mm-hmm. and I'm not. But it's just like I'm thinking so fast. So that's part of where I you can calm down, you can relax. Yeah, because you, you, the last thing you want in a meeting, meeting is to be stressed because oh, they're going to yep. pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And if and if you're like running to get there and, and going in and like, oh, my God, oh, then you're just not going to have a good meeting. You know, I have a I have a meeting mm-hmm. at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Me too. <laughs> and it's it's a good solid hour from where I'm staying. I'm going to be in my car at 830. Mm. And I may get there an hour earlier or more or whatever, but I know 8.30 on a Monday morning in right. Los Angeles, right. you nothing is guaranteed. Right. Right. It's going to take you an hour and 25 to get there anyway. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, without any issues. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. I'm going to get there, and then I'll find a Starbucks or something close by, and I'll chill, and I'll you know get to my you know flow state, and, and I'll walk in there at the exact right time, and it's worth it to me. Right. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. I think that that's... I mean, we could talk about this a lot. I mean, there's 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 so many different um, things that are, that are occurring to me. Now I'm starting to think about like how you you prep for different meetings anyway because they all are different. You know, a general oh, meeting yeah. is different than a pitch for, meeting. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Well, so it's like go ahead. Well, you might have time <clears throat> telling you um, for the pitch meetings. So something I do with pitch meetings to prep is I practice the pitch. Mm-hmm. While I'm like doing like kettlebell swings or something like that, right, right, because it keeps you out of breath. Because, because I'm out of breath right. and I'm like my, and my my heart rate is all pumped that's up. Cool. That's cool. I never. I've hey, never. That's hey, a cool. Hey, that's a new know, one. Because for me. that way it's like, because because the, the the energy because the because the nervous energy right. does the same thing to your body physically. You like shortness of breath, mm-hmm. tighter. How do I say this? You know, uh, and, and you're sweating a little bit, and you right. can, like you feel okay. And so I do that while I'm just practicing the pitch. A lot of the pitch, you know, and that woman gave that great thing. It was beautiful. Which I 
has been a proponent. She doesn't expect nobody to come off book. Yeah, right. Yeah, this this woman was. She was like, I. She was like, if you come in and pitch me, and 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 and, and there's no pages in front of you, I'm worried that you're gonna fuck up. Right. It's hard for me to focus on what you're saying because I'm worried you're gonna fuck up. Right. But if you just have something in front of you, and it could be a blank screen. It could be. She said it could be a movie playing. <laughs> You know, I don't have to see it. I just need to know that you're looking at something, exactly. and that you're not. And because that other guy said, he says something really fascinating. He was like, if you go to a restaurant and the waiter doesn't write your like, you know, like your order down, mm-hmm. it's not as cool. I agree. If he gets it straight, it's like is I he agree. gonna fuck this up? I agree. He, okay, if he gets it, you're yeah. already in your yeah. head. Like, is he gonna get he that? Right. Yeah. I said no tomatoes, no this, You know, <laughs> yeah. I need that sauce on the side. Exactly. You know, blah blah. blah. And if he, I was like, that's true too. <laughs> right. That, it is. It's a, it's a great point that it's like that because they want you to be your best. Right. And and then what's her name was saying like. Uh, Dawn and Nicole were like, they was like, you have to memorize something. You have to memorize something. And then they were like, yeah, but what happens if like you meet those guys who interrupt? The executive interrupts. Exactly. And then it fucks up your whole focus. You're like, well, uh, where was I again? You just had to answer a question and now you got to jump back into your head like, where Mm -hmm. was that? And so it's interesting. Well, you know what I do for that? Because I agree. I, I... what do I you never, do when you go on the pitch anyway? I never, I never walk in without anything, but I never leave anything behind because right. right. until you pay me, you don't get anything. Exactly. But what I will do is I'll, I will absolutely memorize a pitch, mm-hmm. like beginning to end. But what I do, I take my pages in, and I have them broken up in these blocks, and I have a different font hmm. for every block. So if I get interrupted or if I, if my memorization train gets a little derailed, right. I can glance down. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the loose into casual section okay, now. Right, you know, right, it's right. like, okay, do that. And then I go, and there's the the courier bold, right. and I and I'll do that, and I'll just have it in front of me to just glance down, you know. But I'm again, I'm I'm trying to be in that flow state where I'm, you know, the pitch is coming out of me, and you want it to feel, and it should, like it's coming from your heart, and the passion is but coming across. You have across. some performance background too, a little bit, right? You were were you an actor, or were you just more of a stand-up? I I thought I wanted to be an actor, and and I. I did some very, very minor acting. I, mm-hmm. I, the greatest thing that helped me for my writing mm-hmm. is back, and this is 25 years ago, I was out here and I got to take a six-week course in the Valley that Sanford Meisner taught. It was Ooh. one of his last things. Wow. Yeah. And I just, you know, it was the whole Meisner technique and the whole thing and being surrounded. And I, I learned more about writing mm-hmm. from, from that experience, you know, but, but yeah, my, my, mostly my performance background was just being a show off and arrogant, you know, <laughs> idiot. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I will Still always bring Look something, <laughs> I'll always bring something in, into the meeting, but I won't ever, I won't ever leave anything. Now, do you do any visuals? Do you just like to, you know, I generally, I don't, the one, and maybe I should, because the, the one pitch that was my biggest success, the black 22 thing, mm-hmm. we pitched that. And of course, you know, I had this amazing actor in the room sitting next to me, but we had this lookbook okay. that was created by an art director that was just stunning. And uh, I'll never forgive John Rogers because he kept, I, <laughs> he kept saying, no, Shout yeah, you guys John. can keep that. Every, every t- place we pitched, John would say, yeah, you guys can hang on to that. And I was like, oh, I want one of those for my, you know, and, and I only have a prototype to this day and I wish I'd had those but <laughs> but that's the only time I've ever had anything visual and they we I mean, gave I it to them I know somebody who makes decks and I, I, yeah? yeah well it, it's <laughs> it's cool but they would they would like look we'd give it to them as as John the way we played that pitch so we had John Rogers and myself David Oyelowo and we had the director in the room 
and John would start, That's you know, the conversation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, and as he's talking about the the idea and the show and everything, they're kind of just looking through the lookbook, seeing these images, and then he would throw it to. Um, David, who would say why he's so in love with the project, yeah. and then they would kick it to me for the pitch. Okay. And I just started on my pitch that I had memorized beginning to end. Mm. Um, and most of the time they were locked into the pitch, but sometimes I'd be saying something and they'd be looking and I'd get real lucky and I could tell whatever moment I was pitching, they were right on that page in the lookbook. And so there was this just added impact. You know, of the visual. Well, that's, well, that's different because usually you hear people going and they're like, and this is Chris. Yeah, Pitt, I've never, you know I've I mean? never done that, which is, I'm not saying it doesn't work because right, it's, right, it's, right. there's a lot of different ways, but, but that was, that pitch was the only time I had anything visual mm -hmm. and then all the other pitches. <laughs> and then you took that motherfucker when you left. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I want to take everything. And Joan's like, eh, hey, go ahead, keep it. And I know all those things got thrown in the, you know, <laughs> dump. And I was like, cause we had, we went to eight networks who've, Four of them bid on it, but there's like four other networks that didn't want it. So it's like, give me back my lookbook. Right. Yeah, they don't. I mean, like I, that's why I put <clears> of. <throat> you know what? You don't get anything. Right. Oh, does it have more of those? No, I actually don't. Yeah, but that it, looks. But you, um, yeah, but that's on your iPod. Can you send me? Can you send me that? No, I can't. And here's the other thing <laughs> for me. Besides the fact that you shouldn't be giving away stuff for free, I truly believe. Look, when you're pitching to executives, unless you're Shonda or, you know, Aaron Sorkin or somebody like that, their, their job in that room is to say no, because when they say no, they can't get fired. They can, executives can only get fired for saying yes to things. And I don't want to leave behind anything, even if they absolutely love the pitch, that I walk out and two hours later or the next day, they're looking at the pages and something doesn't read right or seem right. And then they find an excuse to say no. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's right. I forgot. I didn't really like that they had a dog, right. you know? And so I don't, I don't want them to have anything but the memory of that pitch and the energy of it and the enthusiasm. Right. Well, I mean, some people say they don't mind leaving a log line because they don't want them to pitch it wrong. To their right. to their whoever, so they're that part of it. Yeah. I don't have a problem with. That's a valid. Because you know they can't. To me, it's always about execution. Like I, I was having this talk with Pamela the other day. We get a lot of calls from people wanting us to come in and help them with their projects, right? So we'll come up with a pitch of how we could fix this project for them. And Pamela, for example, and we'll talk to her about it when we do the, when we do the show with her. <clears throat> we'll be like, well, I don't want to give them away all these secrets because then they could take it. And I'm like, yeah, but to me, it's about execution. You could, all writers can't execute. Our execution is going to be different than yours and different well, than yours. Yeah, yeah, so, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, to me, yeah. I don't mind giving them the secrets because they can't execute it the way we would. No, that's a good point because that's, it's part of the reason why people want a writing sample before they'll even let you come in and pitch. Because mm -hmm. they want to see, because, you know, there's too many stories of, oh, great pitch, and then we pay them and then they can't write. Right. You know? Um, I mean, you have a good point, Paul, about the, the the memorization thing, you know, because like I like to have the pitch memorized. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'll go through it in like I don't know, probably a hundred times, right. but I still don't want to have it like fully, fully. I don't have to do it off book. I'd love to have the book there because it allows me to like if I turn a page, it allows me to just kind of like recollect and to kind of like as a performance thing. It's like, I say it also gives you something to do. Yeah, hey, business. Hey, yeah, hey, right. come back. But the main, but the, but you're right, Paul. The main thing is to like 
the reason why you want it as memorized as much as possible is so you can connect with the people. So you're not looking at the page. Right. You, like you might glance at the page like, oh, this is where I am. Next page, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Next, and, you, and never look at it again. But know that, I, you know, I did the whole page without looking at it. Mm-hmm. But now I got to turn the page. Well, it's right. like that thing, you know, De Niro, like so many people always believed, oh, De Niro doesn't memorize his lines. He's always searching, you know, and he's seeing the stuff. And what turns out is that he actually memorizes the entire script word for word. Like he could recite everything. And his theory is that's so he can throw it away. And he can find the moment in the scene where something may turn left instead of right. But he has memorized it so rock solid that he can come back to it whenever he needs to. Wow, he memorizes the entire Yeah, script. he memorizes every, and for, you know, <clears throat> it, it, yeah. Well, it was, he's on almost every page, but still. <laughs> well, those guys, I mean, you hear that yeah. about him and Anthony Hopkins. I mean, like, right. those guys could, could do every role in the movie because they've, they've learned everything. Yeah. They have to because particularly for, I mean, I, I don't know what, I mean, how it works as actors, but it's like, you know, um, you're not listening for, the lines, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you because because that totally keeps you out of it. But I think you kind of want to know the lines. A lot of times, someone might improvise, right? Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, so they're supposed to say, you know, like these five words here, but because of what I did, like in the scene earlier, they're not going to say those five words. They'll still get this. They'll still speak then, and it'll be the same kind of like the 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 intention will be the same mm-hmm. but 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 they have to respond differently because of what I gave them yeah. but now I got to like respond differently too cuz what they're giving me yeah. and that's why they, they, those guys want to know it so well so they go okay and I got to get back to this line yeah. now you yeah. know it's a, it's 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 a, it's a gift i mean those guys, it's like it's, it's, it's not like theater in a sense like and they don't have the time like a theater guy's got what nine eight nine weeks to memorize the whole play they got less time to do it so it's it's interesting it's an interesting methodology i don't know i like pitching a lot there's something about it where i feel like it, for me by the way lisa isn't coming oh. <laughs> i reread her thing i didn't realize she's not coming oh um <laughs> to, to me the thing about pitching is it's like that's, it's still kind of like the halcyon moment of the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't put anything on the paper. I haven't struggled with, oh, I can't get this character right. It's like, here's the best version of this. Yeah. I want to tell you what I see is the best version. And it's like what the guy was saying the other night. It was, I think it's true. It's like, it's like I'm telling you the be- this TV show that I loved. You know, or this movie that I love mm-hmm. and, and my enthusiasm, that, that's the best version of it. But like, you know, that's almost why sometimes I'm like, don't tell me anything about the movie or anything about the show. Cause like, I don't want to hear your impressions. Cause sometimes you might oversell it because right. you're so enthusiastic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I just want to come in like, okay, I'll watch it because you right. said it's good. I trust that, but don't get into this, like, <laughs> this moment and blah, blah, blah. Let me see all that myself. <clears throat> I hate pitching. That's interesting how different writers are. Yeah, I, I can't like stand it. But to me, it's, it's not, has nothing to do with writing. It's selling cars. Right. And, and you're pitching. If I was pitching, when I pitch something to a, a fellow writer, mm-hmm. it's a totally different vibe. It's a totally different thing. When you're pitching to people that are executives, <laughs> exactly. you know, that are not <clears throat> storytellers, that are not creative, but they think they are, and, oh, I can't stand pitching. I, and and I, I think part of my disdain for it is because, it's it's unfairly it has an unfair importance on it like you could write something that might just blow people's minds but if you don't pitch it correctly to them and that thing we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. if they come in that day and they had a fight with their spouse or something Mm -hmm. and you pitch this you know romantic story they're gonna hate it 
Right. You know, right. and I, I just, I, and I, maybe that's why I'm not well, very me, good at it because I don't let me, embrace it. Let me ask you a question. Well, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Let, let me ask both of you guys a question. This is one thing that I think it was just skimmed over the other night that I kept thinking in my head going, because for me, I'm one of those people, <clears throat> you know, I came up in the independent world, right? I'm producing project mm-hmm. feature. And so now I'm kind of in a network world now. But the way I came up, I don't wait for Hollywood. So I fucking just go and write the script, right? Try to sell it to you that way. So my whole thing, and I still have that mentality. So every time I go somewhere now, they're like, oh, well, we got this great project. Why don't you come back and pitch? I'm like, let me write the fucking script. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? What do you mean come back and pitch this thing? So I got to spend a month working on this fucking thing. Just for you to go, oh, another person just came in and they just pitched the shit out of it. <laughs> you know it what I mean? Better. They had a better tank, yeah. you know, well, that's, whatever that's the fuck. The, that's the thing, too. It's the stupidest. Yeah, the, the, Why are we not being paid for pitches? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Well, that's the what they, that thing with the bake-offs they do in the feature business right. is the worst. Is They want to hear as many ideas as possible. And because because... There is because they own the IP. Right. They can actually cherry pick from ten ide- ten people come in and pitch and they go, I like his idea. He did this really great. Blah blah blah. Okay. I'm, and then who do I like? Who who's actually the best writer? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's someone who didn't even come in and pitch. Let's get him to write this. These ideas right. we took from the other guy. I mean, that's that's the bullshit. It's like, what's the use of sending your script so they could even consider you? I, you know what I mean? I I I, I you know what? It's, it's ridiculous. It's this and it goes back to my thing. You know, people, people used to say a lot, the hardest thing this time is to get your movie made. Right. I say it's not. It's to get someone to read your script. Because if the script is good, the movie may, the, the movie will happen quick. Because, yeah. oh shit, you read this, oh shit, oh shit, and then all of a sudden people are happening. But people, but no one wants to read, the top executives will not read until mm-hmm. four or five people but below True. them sign off. You gotta get past the gate. All these kind of stuff right. and everything like that. But once, but once someone is on, is enthusiastic about a script, things happen quickly. You see how shit happens quickly. Right. You know, with, whatever it is, a show <laughs> or a movie, it's, it, I mean, if, if it's exciting, if they haven't seen this stuff, I mean, that's, those bidding It's whatever, whatever's like, popular. Yeah. You know, if it's popular, everybody wants to be the first person to, to 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 be the to be, to be a part of it. If somebody's got a new pair of jeans, everybody's talking about. It, everybody else wants it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 a thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's just a thing with with humans. I you know. know. I mean, it's it's definitely hyperized in America. I, that I'll say. But humans in general always get kind of like excited by something new. Right. But it's worse here because our, everyone's attention span is is way is way. Uh, it's just you know. Let me ask no you a question, Paul. Span. Have you ever been in a meeting? With a project, and they ask you, "Is anybody else? Have you went out to anybody else, or you know, is anybody else take, seen this first? And you go, "Oh well, Paramount has it, or whoever. You know, we're waiting for them." Then they go, they lean in a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, not not that specifically, <clears throat> but what you're saying is correct. Is we usually when I go in with with something of mine or mm-hmm. something like that that. I'm going to multiple places. My my reps, my manager now if he's doing his job right, is letting them know, mm-hmm. hey, he's got to have, and he does it real subtly, like yeah. he'll say, yeah, he's got a he's got a window between 9 and 11 for your meeting because he's got to be a Paramount at 1, he's got to be a Fox at 3, right. you know, like that, just to put that in their, in their head. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and I, back to Chris's point, like I just <clears throat> turned down, and, and again, like I'm unemployed, why am I turning, but I, I just turned down an OWA, open writing assignment mm-hmm. thing because, it was about based on this piece of IP and it's, it's incredible. It's like you, 
you read it and you see, okay, this is going to be a giant hit show. Okay. But you read it and you you see exactly what the show is. And and I knew, you know, oh, it, it, it's an OWA. It's like there's there's four or five other writers that are going to be going in against you, pitching at your level or even more successful than you. And I open knew... Open writing assignment, by the way. Yeah, open good. writing assignment. <clears throat> and I, I knew there's not a lot of different ways to pitch this story. This mm. story is so right there on the page. You know, you're going to tweak the characters and have mm. some, you know, supporting characters, different stuff. But I knew all these writers are going to be basically pitching the same show. Mm. So it's going to come down to who's got the best pedigree or who's got the best deal with, you know, whatever. And so I said, no, I'm not... Because I, I didn't want to put that effort in. And and look, if somebody told me this, I might say, oh, you didn't believe in yourself. You should have taken your swing. But the state I'm in right now, I just knew the it wasn't worth it to me because the odds of me getting that gig were... If it was something that I had to really create a idea, a show from, from some article or something, mm-hmm. I would have been all in. But this just happened to be laid out. Right that it was like the show was right there in the story. Like you knew what the show was. You knew who the two main characters were. Everybody's going to be pitching the same thing. Mm. And so I, I said no because yeah, I didn't want to go well, through see, that. That's smart because it's like if it's so clear already, you can't really come in and throw a twist at them because because then it's, it's, it's like, well, that's not right. what we wanted to buy. Right. For, you right. Know. But it's interesting you see that because there was that one episode, remember the Break It Down show episode a couple of weeks ago that Billy Ray was on? Oh, yeah. And he was saying, it's an interesting point, he was saying that there's a... There's oh, he, he just had an issue like that, didn't he? Well, he was talking about how he got Captain Phillips. Right. And he was saying certain jobs he turns down because he's like, hey, in the situation like you're explaining, he doesn't want to take those jobs because he was like, it damages my brand if I don't get that job. Right. Like Billy you know? Ray came on and he didn't get it. Good point. So yeah, his, his, right. his feet yeah. goes down. His yeah. rate goes down. Yeah, because, but, <clears throat> that's really interesting to yeah. hear from him. Yeah. He's a guy that is all about all his the way he sells himself is yeah. I'll outwork every other writer. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, but 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 the way he the way he but he talk, Captain Phillips because he was saying they came to him early. This, mm-hmm. I remember we talked about this when I first met him. And he was like, yeah, um, you know, like uh, it was a situation where. Yes, there's that story that you knew what it was. And his take on it, the way he was talking about this thing, the way he was going to approach it, he was like, I don't know if people are going to approach it this way, but this is how I would approach it. And that, because there's a lot of ways to approach mm-hmm. Captain Phillips, but that's where it's open enough. Whereas what you're saying right. is... But his is, was a book. That was an article. Yeah, an article, yeah. And it was... Uh, you said if it was an article, cool. you would have taken it. Yeah, I mean, have if it was, it's just you what have I was saying. Is, if if it was something that you read it and you knew, oh, there's a great story here. Now I've got to build that world. Right. Then I'm in. Whereas this thing was so fleshed out, and they made it clear this is the world we want to make a TV right. show from. Then I'm like, do I want to go against four or five other people? Right. Yeah. You know, that may have had two or three shows on the air already. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've only run other people's shows. Like. Mm-hmm. I just, I was like, I, I got my other stuff I'm doing. Well, Pamela and I just went in. I was telling Chris the other day and met with this big producer. <clears throat> and um, because of my Black Wall Street script, she pitched us this book. And I was like, wow, the book is amazing. So Pamela and I listened to the book. I'm not going to give it away. She listened to the book, and we both had the idea that our... Buffalo Soldier story that we wrote could actually tie right into it. 
So that could actually be the pilot to the rest of these stories. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we totally came up with this whole little thing. So we're like, we're, we're, so we're like, let's tell, we literally just did it yesterday. And we're like, we already have the show. We figured out how to make it work with blah, 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 blah. And so, so we're like calling John, my producer, my manager, and we're like, set up the apartment ASAP before we forget all this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We want to do it now. It's all hot in our head. Let's just go back and give us our take now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, and I have a feeling other people would read the, the, the book and just want to do the book. So it's about finding that other. You have, I mean, I mean, you, that's like, like, you know, the, the way Billy phrased how he approached <clears throat> that Captain Phillips thing, it was, it's kind of like what we were talking about with, with Craig Mays and Irwin walking up. It was like mm-hmm. some of these guys, they're, their like storytelling intelligence is so fucking high right. that you're just like, what? How did you? It, it is it, to, a lot of times to me. It's one of those things that makes me smile because I was like, that's fucking cool, mm-hmm. and it allows you, at least for me as a writer, to say, here's other ways to approach material. Mm-hmm. There, there's different ways to think about it to expand how you do. It. But that's the thing about material, this IP and stuff like that. You have to think about this again. That's why I like the pitching part. But maybe just because it's like I, I like that part of developing of it. And this is necessarily going into talking to people. I mean, although almost all the jobs that I've had, I've gotten from pitching. I, I don't. That's just how it is for me. Um, but it's like that because there's like a talking about the story is so exciting to me mm-hmm. and that's what you want to do and finding those ways in is what is exciting you know yeah. well that well uh, it's funny because uh, speaking to that last year I got hired by Imagine and it was a it was an open writing assignment and they had a piece of IP and I knew there were I think there were three other writers and you know we were going in and I and I read the IP and then I did my you know research mm-hmm. looking up stuff myself about it and it was about this group of male police officers in London. Hmm. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, you know what? The show that I'd want to see is a female from London, but she comes over here to work in this police department in the States. And she does that because she's running. And I just came up with this really kind of flawed character who was sort of running from her past and all this. And I went in and I and I pitched and I got the gig. And Imagine told me after I got the gig, they were like, you were the only one who pitched it as a female lead and you were the only one who pitched it set in the United States. Hmm. And I was like, and that's just because <clears throat> like what you're saying about the Captain Phillips thing. Right. You know, that I, could, I looked at and I saw, oh, you know what, I... I know my way and I know how I do it. Whereas this one I just turned down, I was like, well, I do it exactly like it's written. Right, so. right. Sometimes you uh, would, though. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you would. Like I said, sometimes it's all spelled out. But I think that if you can find ways to take a step back and be like, hmm, like what's the different perspective on it? Right. And as soon as you change the perspective, it becomes something new. So it's like, wow, imagine if she had to, if that person was in America running away from something, it becomes even more intense for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I Yeah, I mean, to a certain, certain degree, that's what people are, 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 are paying you for, is your different perspective. Because these ideas that are, I mean, the, you know, the executive saw the story, the little article. Like, oh, there's a movie here. 
but they didn't write it, right. and and because 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 the easy the, the easy way in is is is, is like like is what got published. Mm-hmm. But how do you craft into the, to the, to the drama? Is what they're actually paying you for, right. and what's that point of view? I mean, that's part of like that's part of your writing voice is how you is like how you would differently approach something. Um, at least in my mind, that's I mean that's what separates you know certain writers. This is, people say that about directors too. Like, oh, this is how he would do this, or this is how she would do this, or mm-hmm. they have that. You know, we were arguing last night about not arguing, but we were lamenting. <laughs> the, the doing a live action version of of of, of Akira, mm-hmm. and I was like, the guy they got is a comedy director. Right. He's known. He's done three films I've seen that are comedy stuff. That's not the right guy to do that. I, <laughs> sensibilities are off. Now, I could be wrong. Right. I doubt it because it's really hard to break away from that, and because because that's how he's selling himself, you know. Um, but we were talking earlier about like. You know, sometimes we all have different sens- sensibilities. Like, we love different movies. Like, we were talking about Craig Mazin did right. Chernobyl. Yeah, would you who ever hire Craig Mazin to do Chernobyl? Exactly. No. And he actually is the one who went and pitched it to them, right. and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Because he would have never gotten that gig. No, and no, no, not, no, no. But no. I think it's a little bit more with writers and directors, like what yeah. you're saying. I tend to agree, but I think you're right. Like, you know, Mazin <clears> can do Chernobyl. You know, Alan Ball can do American. You know, we're... We're writers. We're capable. And this drives me crazy because I know showrunners, fellow writers, that, you know, if they're doing a cop procedural, well, I only want to read, know if this person can write cop procedurals. Like, why would you limit yourself? Like, if I read a great romantic comedy short story from a writer, you know, I'll put them on my cop procedural because I want a great writer. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for a parrot of a genre. <laughs> That's a good point too, because it's like the woman who can write, or whoever who wrote the the romantic comedy short story. I might need that element in my procedural. Of course, for the elements exactly. that well, I'm not following yeah. that rote shit about. Hey, let's call up the guy yeah. forensics because yeah, how that was one thing Rogers. <laughs> has done in his writer's room, John Rogers, which mm-hmm. I think is very cool, is he's very... They should be following John, by the way. Uh, you talking about <clears throat> one of the... We were talking about how smart Craig Mazin yeah. is. John Rogers, the, those, those two guys yeah. may be the smartest writers I know. But Rogers makes a point in his writer's rooms that he will hire... He will put a room together based on particular individual strengths. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, he had me as his number two on librarians. I don't do genre like that. I just don't <laughs> write that type of thing. But he knew where I was really strong is what was needed to balance out the other like sci-fi geeks or nerds mm-hmm. on the staff that could really bring those stories mm-hmm. and stuff. And then I was the guy that could bring it back to a human state and a mm-hmm. character state. And then, you know, he would put somebody else that was particularly strong, you know, in this area and this and and it was really cool to see he was sort of constructing this this one Team. writer mm-hmm. yeah from all these people right. that made the show have the same vision and the same feeling even though you could do and this is i think how you see the greatest showrunners john rogers and one barbara hall's one when you see a show and you can tell which writer wrote which episode because of their own distinct thing they bring to it, and yet every episode feels exactly like the show. That's, That's a rare, That's rare thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? hard, but yeah, and it, and it is hard. And then there's not those; those may be only the two that I know. I mean, you know, you 
you can't tell who writes, you know, certain shows because it's just all sounds exactly like the showrunner, exactly right. like whatever. Well, because the showrunner comes in and fixes most right. of them too. But, <laughs> but even then, who would, you know, and Barbara and John do their share of rewriting, right. but but they they're so secure in themselves mm -hmm. and not afraid of somebody blasting out that you know you could read. Uh, a judging Amy script or Madam Secretary script uh, and you knew which writers wrote those and yet it was still in Barbara's voice. It's like, it's a very, very rare, difficult that's a, that's thing. It's the smartest show on TV. It's so smart. Right? I keep yeah. going, can't Tan Leone be the president? <laughs> right? But it's like, if, you, if you're a fan of that show, then you know what I'm talking about is like that, those characters are the same every week and the show's the same every week but you know sometime, like you know when it's a Lila Oliver script, there's just going to be a little bit more sort of witty female centric banter yeah. in that episode you know and when somebody else writes it, it's just and that's the way that Rogers would do like we all knew when it was a leverage script or or librarians or whatever like who wrote you know that's that is a Jeff Thorne episode exactly. from beginning to end you know exactly. and yet it was still in the voice of the show right, right. yeah that's, that's, the, that's the trick that's the trick about is it, I mean and that's what makes that type of television you know, because because leverage is is not procedural, but it's not serial. It's that hybrid type of show, right. you know. Mm -hmm. And those shows are the are they are, those are the type of shows that um, that allow for that the best. I think you know mm -hmm. because you know there's like a really strong spine, and then it's like certain points we're gonna go left, and that's okay. But because we know what's gonna be here at the end, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we used to joke that. The um, the network thought we were doing a procedural, and the actors thought we were doing a character piece. Really? You know, and we're like, That's yeah, hilarious. good. Then we nailed it. You know, <laughs> like that was funny. Wow. That's wild. All right, cool, man. We'll get episode. That was fun. That was fun. We just, you know, turn the mic on and just start talking some shit. <laughs> Hope y'all got some game out there. Uh, where you at, Paul Gio? I am uh, after a, a ten and a half month sabbatical. I'm I'm back on Twitter um, at Fizzhog two Z's and two G's. Um, but then the other thing Chris was talking about earlier in Utah Hill, uh -huh. my Instagram account, um, which is much more sort of personal stuff, is p dot p dot g u y o t. Awesome. Where you at, Chris? Uh, unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Cool. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. <clears throat> you guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR, on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to. Give us a five star review. We need that for the metrics. Please go on our what, Chris? Our Patreon page. You can um, just donate to support the show, or you can get um, some. Uh, yeah. T-shirts on the show. There's T-shirts available there. There's, what? There's links. Yeah, there's, yeah. I see Paul and listen to the show. Where is my T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you had Patreon. I've been gone too long. Yes. Exactly. Patreon. There's a link. It's look the the Patreon link and the specific link for the T-shirts will be the first thing in the show notes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and a little short blurb, my girl Yvette Vargas, Chris and I's girl. Um, she has a new workshop. She's doing six week class. Uh, for writers, she's mainly for female writers. She's really trying to help people about um, um, being in the TV show writers room. Um, so it's about uh, let's see, you get for the workshop, you get to complete a pilot episode, a pitch, your pitch deck, and be ready to go. Um, all workshops are held in LA this summer. Um, for info, the writers room 
5050 at gmail.com. Again, so if any of you guys want to check that out, that's Yvette Vargas, uh, series creator. She's got a bunch of shit going on right now. And she's running for the 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 secretary, secretary, the writer's guild. And that's Uh, something I think, too, we were talking about that earlier. mm -hmm. Like, that's somebody that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's somebody that does it. Right. That is real. That, you know, you go and learn from someone like that. Mm Mm-hmm. You'll you'll learn more in that than you would buying twenty books and taking twenty seminars from somebody that calls themselves a story consultant. Exactly. You know, some, like she's legit. she makes Chris makes some good some good decks too. The she she makes the amazing decks that I've seen. I mean, I and, and the pictures are just they're like bulletproof. That's what she always says. They're bulletproof. I sell I sell shows like they're bulletproof. I'm like, yeah, okay, bitch. <laughs> yeah, stuff is good. I always learn something when I look at her deck. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I like to ask shows. her about exactly. this. I go, okay, what are you doing that I should be stealing? Yeah. <laughs> I need to steal more from you. Exactly, exactly. I sell shows. That's it, man. She yeah. she does it, so she knows. You know, I just like. Uh, Jeff Lieber and I got into this thing on Twitter. This guy, some guy. You know, did you see the story diamond? Story it was on, oh, oh I saw God. that. I saw What's that. that? There's, saw so that? there's this guy somewhere in Michigan or somewhere that mm-hmm. calls himself a script consultant and mm-hmm. a story analyst, mm-hmm. and he created this diagram called the Story Diamond, and how every movie you know that's successful follows this Story Diamond, and oh, this boy. is how you you know. And and Lieber got into it with him, and and I did too. And you go and look, and the guy has no credibility whatsoever mm. for talking about screenwriting mm. yet he's selling himself as a script consultant and a story <laughs> analyst and he created this it is the most dense confusing ridiculous mishmash of I, I can't even begin to describe it you just have to go go to Jeff Lieber's Twitter and you can find it okay. and it's called the story diamond <laughs> yeah 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 I saw it because someone, <laughs> po- someone posted it said uh, John Lewis and Craig Mason should be out of business now because of the story diamond yeah. Le- Lieber's response to it was he drew this thing that was just like he just took a pen and just scribbled all over a page and he's like here's here's how I think you should do a screenplay this is is, you know follow this but but my point is like somebody like her she knows man these are the people you listen to the ones who can actually do it right right for sure for sure anyway so shout out to Yvette Vargas I'm working with her we're developing a new show too I'll tell you guys about that as that comes along that's a badass I'll tell you about that off camera it's bad um Anyway, so shout out to Lisa Bolacaja. She was going to come through, but I just mis- misunderstood her. I didn't see that she said she wasn't coming. I thought she said she doesn't have she a car. Her. I misunderstood. Her. I Lisa, misunderstood. Lisa. Lisa, Lisa called Jam. Anyway, uh, yeah. So that's a shout out to Jeff Thorne, too. We know he couldn't make it either. Out there with dog dogs sitting. and shit. <laughs> dog sitting. Gross. Give me a break, Pope. <laughs> anyway, everybody joining with me. You know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room So you wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears 
feelings are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest, you know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes they used to bowl a kaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting, it's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun, write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room, Red Room.